Hello and welcome to Zealous Talks. Today we're talking about community, second value in our series. Pastor Nanath is speaking in this talk titled, You Are More Than. Let's get into it. Today let's dive into the second part of our, uh, the second value that we're going to be talking about called community. Right? Can everybody turn to the person next to you and shout it out in there as, as like, just make sure they don't go deaf. But just tell them, today is about you. No, I don't think that was a shout. I think that was like a whisper. Can, you, can we try that again? Right? Today is about you, okay? Alright, that's good. So let's keep the energy. Now that we have set some expectations, let's keep that energy going, okay? We're going to be talking about community and the action statement for, for that, what, what has been penned down is, everyone belongs. Right? Everyone belongs. And in order for that to happen, we need to continue to extend our circle. That's a tough one, right? And we're going to see for the next two weeks what it means for us to be a community the way that God is trying to build, right? Not just any kind of community because let's, let's be real. If you, if you really want to be just a social gathering, if you really just want to be a cultural gathering, then there are far better places than this that you could spend your time over here. Right? But since we have been talking, since we started talking about God-centeredness, and now we are talking about community, I want to set this up the next two weeks to understand what it means for you and me to be a God-centered community. Can everybody say that? A God-centered community. And, and for you and me to know that, I'll tell you why community, the word, you know, it excites us. I don't know if it excites you, if it scares you, or if it just bores you. I don't know where you stand when it comes to this one simple word, but let me tell you this. As of today, community is the buzzword that's going around. Whether it's investments, whether it's people who are doing business, whether it's entrepreneurs, the big guys, everybody is focusing on how we can do community life. You know, if, if the re and one of the reasons, I mean, there are a lot of reasons, but if, one, if there's any one reason that I can think of why community is such a big word is because isolation is picking up. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isolation is picking up. Your, your anxiety, the social anxiety, depression, peer pressure, this thing is on the highest at its time right now. And that's why every single person is making sure that whatever is possible in their capacity, in creative ways, community can be a big part of who they are and what they do. And, and you know what, what gets me excited is, as a church, as a gathering, we don't have to crack our heads about that because since the inception of time, church has always been about community. Church has never been about isolation. Church has never been about doing life by yourself. Church is meant to be a place where life is done together. Can we say together? So if you're in this place and if you're here for the first time or if you're just trying to settle in, Without even me diving into the sermon for this evening, I just want to tell you, you belong here. If you're listening to this after a long time, or if you have never heard this, I just want to put it out there, you belong here. 
irrespective of what you think, irrespective of what you believe, irrespective of what you practice, we want to just go out there and make you make this known, this simple statement which has a profound impact, which has had a profound impact on my life. You belong here. As a matter of fact, why don't you just look to the person who you avoided the first time and just tell them you belong here. Okay, we're going to do some talking today, okay? We're going to do some talking today, so make sure you're up for that. How did that go, you know, for the first time, the first preference that you just swung to the person that you know, and now you had to do it with the one that you avoided. You still belong here. And we're going to look at the next two weeks at understanding, and I just want to set this up, uh, this part about what it means to be a God-centered community. So let's turn to our Bibles, uh, to Luke chapter 10. And this is, this is a passage that you would have heard if you grew up in a Christian setting. You ca cannot miss out on this passage. Even if you did not grow, grow up in a Christian setting, you cannot miss this phrase. Has anybody come across this phrase called the Good Samaritan? Right? Even if you're in the corporate, if you're not raised, born or raised up in a Christian home, you know what this phrase means. It's like, you know, it's been, it's been uh, put, made a part of the corporate lingo. It's been made a part of all the corporate social, the CSR activities that are happening. Everybody is talking about, the, about being a good Samaritan. Well, this is where it all started, just in case if you didn't know. Luke 10, Jesus is having a very interesting conversation with one of the so-called religious teachers. You know, this, this person is trying to act smart when it comes to having a conversation with Jesus. Like how we all have done once upon a time in our life. No? Or we have never acted smart when it comes to God, is it? Wow. Such a God-centered people. Well, Jesus is talking to this religious scholar and, he, and this, is, this is the dialogue that they're trying to have with the religious teacher or the scholar. He asks Jesus this, this question that what should I do to inherit eternal life? Or what should I do to go to heaven? And this is what Jesus tells. Before, before Jesus says anything, Jesus quotes him the, the, the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind and with all your soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. And then this guy, instead of just receiving that and going out there and doing that, he tries to outplay and ask Jesus, okay, so who is my neighbor? And then this is the classic response that Jesus gives. He says, Jesus replied, listen, and I will tell you. There was once a Jewish man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho when bandits robbed him along the way. They beat him severely, stripped him naked, and left him half dead. Soon a Jewish priest walking down the same road came upon the wounded man. Seeing him from a distance, the priest crossed to the other side of the road and walked right past him, not turning to help him one bit. Later, a religious man, a Levite, came walking down the same road and likewise crossed the other side to pass by the wounded man without stopping to help him. Finally, can everybody say finally? finally? Hey, no, the energy went down. Can everybody say finally? finally? Okay, that's good. Finally, another man, a Samaritan, came upon the bleeding man and was moved with tender compassion for him. 
He stooped down and gave him his gave him first aid, pouring olive oil on on his wounds, disinfecting them with wine, and bandaging them to stop the bleeding. A lot of details. Lifting him up, he placed him on his own donkey and brought him to an inn. Then he took him from his donkey and carried him to a room for the night. Are we okay so far? Right? The next morning, he took his own money from his wallet and gave it to the innkeeper with these words. Take care of him until I come back from my journey. If it costs more than this, I will repay you when I return. So now, this is what Jesus is saying. So now, tell me which one of the three men who saw the wounded man proved to be the true neighbor. The religious scholar responded. What did he say? The one who demonstrated kindness and mercy. And this is what Jesus says. You must go and do the same as he. Amen. Let's pray. Before we dive in, Father, we just want to thank you for this time. I want to thank you for every single person in this room. God, we pray that you have already begun speaking to us since the time we have walked into this place. I pray, God, that even as we dive into your word, that your presence would continue to minister to us and our needs. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you for a few minutes on this talk that I've titled, You Are More Than... You are more than. You know, um, I like reading a lot of stats. And I told you I started talking to you about social anxiety and, and understanding what it means to be uh, under isolation and why community is the need of the R. There's this, there's this professor in the Harvard Medical Department. Uh, sorry, in the, in the University of Utah, North Carolina, not Harvard gathered about 148 studies over 300,000 people. And this is what the research revealed. The research revealed that people who socialize regularly, can everybody say regularly? The people who socialize regularly with family and friends. All the singles, not just friends. The research says family too. All right, okay. With family and friends, live an average of 3.7 years longer than the people who are less connected. You didn't get that, okay? I don't know if you... No, you're like, okay, how, how much more should I do? Keep going is the point, all right? In case if you're not doing anything, maybe it's a good time to start socializing. And, and while we're at that, we, we're... We want to set this up for the next two weeks about what it means not just to be a social community, but what it means to be a God-centered community. And the reason I picked up this parable is because when Jesus is addressing this religious scholar, we think, we, we, we are just seeing, when we read this portion, we think there's just a conversation that is happening between Jesus and the religious scholar. What is actually happening is Jesus is trying to call out the social and the cultural divide that has been there between the Jews and the Samaritans. You know, if you, if you, if you go back and read this scripture portion, you'll see that this reference, when Jesus gives the story, he starts talking about a Jewish man. Now, I was like, why would Jesus pick up a Jewish man? 
If, if that wasn't enough, Jesus concludes this story talking about, after, talking about a religious guy, a Levite, and then a Samaritan. That itself, the story itself has got a problem over there. And the reason I say the story has a problem is because if anybody likes history, and if you go back and study the, the, the relationships that, that were there between the Jews and the Samaritans, it was really bad. I have I've touched on this uh, some time ago, but... Jews and Samaritans did not even like being, you know, associated with each other in any possible way. The best thing that they saw or, or they thought is that it's good to have a distance between, between these two communities. And Jesus is using the exact two communities that are so close to each other, right? Well, not exactly. Jesus is using these two ex same communities and to talk to this religious person because Jesus was addressing the massive divide that was there between the Jews and the Samaritans. And you, and you would ask, Nina, why, why are we talking about this passage? Because as of today, there is a divide amongst us. There is a, a need to call out and talk about these important conversations that we need to have as a community. Now you say, oh, what does it mean that there's a divide amongst us? If you walk out from this place, the most natural thing that your mind tells you is that if, if you've been raised up and if you've given your life to Christ, the most, natural, the most natural thought that occurs to you is there are people out there who don't know the truth. Right? Now, we do okay when we, when we are till there. The danger begins when, when you think that you know the truth and that gives you the permission to look down on other people who do not know the truth. Come on, guys, talk back to me. That's what Jesus is talking about. He, he picks up a religious scholar because we think that, okay, we know the truth. We have the freedom. We have the permission to knock out and, look, and like, you know, look down on every single person who's far away from the truth. But Jesus is saying, or rather, if Jesus has to make this conversation specific to our community, I want to tell you, in a God-centered community, everyone belongs. And that's why I started off by telling you this, whether you know the truth, whether you know the, the, the message of the gospel or you do not know the gospel, whether you know Jesus or you don't know Jesus, I don't know where you stand in your walk of life, but irrespective of that, we want you to know that when we are building, when we are set out to build this community called Zealous, irrespective of anyone's background, the belonging part is never eradicated. Just because people around you do not know the truth, that, does, that should not stop you and me from creating a sense of belonging. Because in the kingdom of God, in God's kingdom, everyone is graced with a sense of belonging. Everyone. Let me say that. Everyone is graced with a sense of belonging. You know, the folks who are aware of the truth, sometimes intentionally or unintentionally, we take advantage of the situations that we are caught up in where we tend to just have conversations to convince people of the truth that we are aware of. As much as that is the need, for, I tell you, we are in a, in a danger of, of being like this religious folk who, who may not even reach out to the actual need of the person that you're trying to have a conversation with. You guys with me? Most of the times, our conversations might be so, if I may use the word, religious, 
that you're not even catering to a physical need of the person that you know for such a long time. And I want to, I want to challenge us, as much as we want to be a God-centered community, we also want to be a community. Are you guys hearing me? We also want to be a community that is real. We also want to be a community that is authentic. We also want to be a community that, that, that knows when to kick in when it comes to the phys- addressing the physical needs and when to step back and address the spiritual needs of anyone that, is, that we are doing life with. And that can happen only when you think, we, we might think, okay, that can happen only once we know the truth, Right? Because we, we know the scripture says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Maybe not exactly. Because you just hear me out. It's, it's not about how much we know. It's about what we do with what we know. There's some of us, and, and I'm saying this to myself as well. There's some of us who are so good in, in knowing all the details that are there in this book. Like, you can quote the scripture so good. You can quote every single, for every single conversation you have a scripture reference. And while I respect and while we admire that, that information and that, and that love for the scripture and, and, uh, for, of God, we also need to be the uh, kind of people that not just know the truth but put it into practice as well. Because, because Jesus challenges through his apostles that be doers of the word. You know, you, have you read that part as well? Jesus is asking us to be doers of the word as well. So let's be a community that practices the truth that we have embraced in our lives. The difference is how much are we practicing, not how much are we hearing. You know, one of the dangers, we, we were just talking as a, as a team last week, and uh, I, I, I voiced out one of my fears. Do you want to know what that is? I fear when people walk in every Sunday and go back saying, we had a good time. I'm scared of that. And I'll tell you why. Because if your experiences of Sunday gatherings are going to be limited to good times, there's going to be a time where you won't have a good time. Because maybe we have just, we have just been coming and listening and maybe not putting into practice anything at all. And, and it's better for me to put this out to you now rather than regret of not saying it at all. That let's not just be people who feel good after, at the end of the Sunday gathering, but let's be a community that puts into practice what we're listening. Because it's not about what we, what we know. It's about what we do with what we know. See, when Jesus was talking to these guys, when Jesus was talking to the scholar, just the language that Jesus used changed the narrative of the entire story. I'll tell you why, you know. Jesus is talking at a time where, like I said, there was a massive divide between the Jews and the Samaritans. And the very fact that Jesus is using a Samaritan in his story is a risk that Jesus was taking when he was talking to the guys, when he was talking to the scholar. And, and your narrative, your language that you use can change the entire narrative of the conversation that you're having. And I think I have to say that again. The language that you use can change the entire narrative of the conversation. 
Because sometimes our language is, is so, I think I just go ahead and use it. It's so Christianese that people just don't get it. Sometimes our language is, is, is so by the book. But let's be real. This is, this is a book that was written. I didn't call her. Uh, this is a book that was written about 2,000 years back, right? The, the, the principles and... Okay, man, like, get it. I don't know what happened there. The principles of this book do not change, okay? Before you guys get out there and start judging me, let me complete, okay? Because I can see the, the facial expressions of some people change now <laughs> when I'm talking about Christianese and things like that. The, the truth and the principles of this book has not changed. But the language around us has changed. How many of you know that? The language around us has changed. Nobody would meet Benji and say, How art thou, Benji, today? <laughs> Have you repented? <laughs> Have you? <laughs> okay. I mean, that would be so weird. That would be so weird. What I'm trying to tell you is we need to understand what exactly are we trying to reach out? Who are we trying to reach out to? And, and what is the kind of community that we're trying to build? If you're talking about God-centeredness, okay, I get it. We want to point everyone to Jesus. I'm not saying we don't do that. But I'm also telling you based on what Jesus was trying to do is his narrative of including the Samaritan in that parable changed the entire context that today there are organizations set up called Good Samaritans and Good Samaritan Project and this and that. What was once the community that was once a social outcast is now used as a reference point to talk about doing something good. How did that happen? That happened because Jesus took a risk on someone that was already an outcast. I don't have this in my notes, but I just want to tell you, are we taking risks to make the outcasts, the long forgotten, the rejected, the broken, feel at home through your conversations? Food for thought. Or are we so busy presenting the truth even when people around us are not even ready to listen to it? Are we, are we going somewhere with this? It's time to change the narrative of how people are looked at. It's time to change the narrative of how people are looked at. When Jesus, when the, when the, when the folks, when the people around saw People from Samaria, they just saw somebody who they could not relate with. When Jesus saw these same people, he saw, he saw an opportunity to begin a conversation. I hope, Zealous, we can, be a, we can be a community that does not hesitate to initiate conversations or, or make people belong even if they don't believe with what you believe. That's the game changer. Because if you really think that what we believe is, is true, if you really think what we, what we practice is the truth, let me tell you, only your words are not going to convince the people around you. Your life, 
and your and your lifestyle your narrative your language is going to is going to help people understand the truth because here's the thing right what what jesus was helping the people around him understand and and the way jesus was addressing this this context of community if there's one thing jesus wants you and me to know in the context of community that in a community you are always more see by yourself you have you are you are there any people in this room who are always hard on themselves like you know when when you are with your friends or when you are surrounded with people you can be you can gel in you can kind of you know communicate and you can be so good and kind of go ahead with the discussions but when you're with yourself you know you always feel there's something lacking in you anybody all right thank you for being honest the other people check your heart okay in a community you are always more i'm not saying this i want to help you understand how jesus said this without actually saying it because here's what happens right you feel you are challenged by your limitations when you're by yourself and you end up being hard on yourself you pressurize yourself to always perform you you kind of condemn yourself for no matter what you do you feel that there's always some kind of a shortcoming in you you're not perfect you're not good enough and you think you can never fit in fully if you've ever thought something like that i've got some news for you that's because maybe you're always looking at your life from the lens of isolation but in a community things change in a community you're always more in a community you're always more than your limitations in a community you're always more than the struggles and the battles that you face in a community you are always more than the failures and the disappointments you would encounter Let's look at the life of disciples. Anybody remembers Matthew? He was they say Matthew was a tax collector. Not just any tax collector, a tax collector with a questionable repute. But that same Matthew who was so I would say if if I may use the word greedy or or not living a right life or a righteous life that same guy was hand picked by Jesus to be one of his followers and his disciples well it didn't stop there let's look at peter peter was just a fisherman you know i'm sorry peter peter was just a fisherman and a lay person okay but in a community of disciples he got recognized as a guy who walked on water come on there you can clap we go for it in a community peter was that guy who preached to 3000 people i mean in isolation after denying jesus when he was by himself he was feeling so lonely he was feeling you know ashamed of the fact that he had denied jesus but remember this at that time he was in isolation 
when when peter the same peter when moves out from a place of isolation and comes into a community of believers who are praying and who are thanking god this same guy gets the zeal this same guy gets the power and who's inspired by the holy spirit to stand up and talk to 3000 people and those guys gave their lives to jesus in a community you are always more i want to tell you this life that you have been gifted with is not meant to be done alone this life that you and me are living is not meant to be done in isolation this life that you and me have been gifted with it comes with a lot of responsibility that you do not have to carry there's a god who's willing to help you out at every stage of your life and i don't know when you walked in through those doors what are the things that are bothering you that are possibly pushing you into a place where you want to be isolated but isolation is not the answer in today's context community is the answer that you have been looking for in today's context a god centered community is the answer that you have been looking for see because when it comes to a god centered community right encouragement and empowerment is the language of a god centered community you know i'm so proud of my team i know we are not perfect but if there's one thing that we are constantly learning are these two words how we can encourage and how we can empower people through everything that we do encouragement and empowerment is the language of a god centered community i want to tell you a story of of my life of in the place where i was battling rejection and thoughts of of failure one of the places where i i overcame rejection and thoughts of failure was was not in isolation it was in a community of faith it was in a community of faith you know i remember uh, when i was in my 11th grade i got this opportunity to go and intern with taj flight kitchen in bombay and i remember i had to sit through an uh, an interview with the hr head of taj sats i mean 16 year old giving the interview with a guy who was i don't know how many years of experience he had and out of nowhere this guy randomly after we finish our conversation this guy randomly tells me hey nanad you know what i just wanted to tell you you are a leader and i was like uh, you have no idea what you're saying it's like you are a leader man there's there's so much of future that's filled in you there's so much of good that is waiting to be unleashed in and through your life and i'm telling you i'll be honest i didn't feel good at all at that moment because all those thoughts or all those all those words that he said were not making sense to me because i was looking i was in a place of isolation but the minute i got plugged into an environment of encouragement the minute i got plugged into an environment that was that was constantly empowering me till today those words still ring in my head 
that one conversation with that hr that said you are a leader i want to tell each and every person sitting over here i don't know what your journey has been like if you have always found yourself in a community i want to question you have you taken have you given yourself the permission to be found in a god centered community if you have always lived a life where you're hard on yourself and where you have been isolated can you allow a community like this to help you in whatever phase of life that you're going through encouragement and empowerment is always the language of a godly community the environments that we that we create in our life or around our life are so important you know that right as we have started as we have started this journey of building zealous i want you to know that we all belong over here i want you to know that irrespective of what you think let's find those opportunities to encourage each other irrespective of whatever you're going through let's find those avenues where you can get empowered you know one of the best ways to do that when we encourage people to come in and and serve for our sunday gatherings that's i i know this and i've seen it i've experienced it i've gone through that process serving on a sunday gathering is one of the best privileges that i have seen and i have experienced in my life where, because that's the place where you can be encouraged that's the place where you can be empowered now and when i say encouragement and empower i'm not talking about sweet talk and flattery okay those are those are two different things i have been encouraged with good rebuke and good critique as well anybody ready for that i have been encouraged and i have been empowered by telling me that nenad you messed up that's still encouragement by the way it's it's how you take it but i want to tell you in a god centered community encouragement and empowerment will always take you long way not just in your spiritual walk but wherever you put your hands and your heart into whether it's at your work your business your studies your education whatever it is we all need encouragement we all need that nudge we all need that push to do better and i'm telling you there is someone who's seated up there who's cheering for you and for me and as a community the best gift that you and me have is to create environments you know this this sunday gathering let me let's get practical okay this sunday gathering just doesn't happen how many of you know that there's a bunch of folks who show up early who sacrifice their convenience who sacrifice whatever they could do on a sunday but they but they let go of that and they they get here so that you and me can have can just walk in and we can have the coffee ready they walk in and you can have the food ready they walk in and you can have a peep a person ready to meet you so that you feel that you belong here a god centered community is what we have set out to build but sometimes in order to build a god centered community you need to challenge the culture that is there around you that's what jesus did in this particular passage he challenged the culture and what he said was not just a risk but it was countercultural 
for a Samaritan reaching out to a Jew, helping him out. If you and me are the messengers that God has placed in the city of Pune, in this area, whichever part of the city you are from, you and me always have to be a bunch of people who challenge the culture. Because what we know is countercultural. When people are surrounded by depression, your story speaks hope. When people around you are broken, you can challenge people with the encouragement as to how your life has been restored in Jesus. When people are talking about giving up, you can talk about how you were inspired by a scripture that told you that do not fear, I am with you. When you were saying that not, when people around you are saying nothing is working out for me, you can go back, dig into the word and say, my Bible says, for my, my God says, I have plans to prosper you and to give you hope and a future. That's countercultural, guys. That's not the regular, that's not the mundane. And what makes us a community is that we have a common cause, is that the desire and the zeal that you and me have for Jesus. That's, the, that's one of the common factors that's going to bring us together. Otherwise, look around you. Do you seriously think you can do life with the people around you? In your own strength? But the cause is always greater than our desires. And if you give in to that cause, your desires and my desires always will unite because we are fighting for a greater cause that is not always cultural, but that sometimes can be countercultural. So let me wrap this up. In a community, you are always more than your limitations. In a community, you're always more than the struggles and the battles that you face. And in a community, you're always more than your failures and your disappointments. That's the God who gives you second chances. And that's the God who renews the hope in you. I just want to tell you this simple words that you would be hearing maybe for the first time or hearing it after a long time. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, and 10. And I want you to really just open up your hearts right now and just listen to these words because this is the truth that is being spoken over you. You are God's chosen treasure. Priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light, and now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. For at one time you were not God's people, but now you are. At one time you knew nothing about God's mercy because you hadn't received it, but now you are drenched in it. Zealous, you are loved. You are chosen by God. You are accepted by Jesus and you and me have been given the greatest privilege of being called God's people. Can I request all of us to just stand up even as we close? In a God-centered community, everyone belongs. 
If there's one thing that you can go back tonight, if there's one thing that God really wants to communicate with you, maybe this is your first time that you've walked in, maybe this is, you have been coming here week on week, but you have been waiting for that one confirmation, I want to tell you, in a God-centered community, everyone belongs. Everyone belongs. Can you look to the person and just say, everyone who's standing next to you, just tell them, just everyone belongs. Everyone belongs. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about us, follow us on Instagram at Zealous Pune or visit our website at zealous.community.